honestly, my biggest hope is that someone hears this and knows that they're not alone, that they're not broken. There isn't something wrong with them. They're not hopeless, no matter how long that they've been struggling. Because I know that when I was deep in my eating disorder and disordered eating, I would have needed to hear someone else's story and heard that it was possible to overcome it. Welcome to the Fuel Her Awesome Show, friend, where we dig into nutrition deeds that are actually helpful and we learn to be nicer to ourselves. I mean, think about it. Those things you say about your body, would you ever say them to your friend? I don't think so. (laughs) I am so glad you are here. I'm Jess, registered dietitian, juggling mama, work, and wife life amidst all the things. I used to spend an insane amount of energy hating on my body and lost in nutrition, but now I have way too much on my plate. I cannot afford to mistreat my body. And because I have a history of struggling with food, I know I have to be careful with how I approach my health goals. This is why I'm so passionate about empowered eating. Sister, in case you haven't heard it today, you are awesome. And I have resources for you beyond this podcast. Check out JessBrownRD.com and take my body confidence workshop totally free. All right, grab a cup of coffee or two (laughs) and let's fuel your awesome with empowered eating. Well, hey there, friends. I'm so excited because today we are diving in to a story. And you guys know I am such a sucker for a story. There is, I think, nothing more powerful than hearing someone's journey. And I'm particularly interested in stories where people rewrite their relationship with food and they turn it from a glass ceiling into a platform. And that's how I was connected with Miss Sabrina. Now, Sabrina has been a holistic health coach for the last three years. She's a licensed through the Institute of Functional Health Coaching, and she really loves to help chronic dieters heal, heal their relationship with food and break free from yo-yo dieting. Sabrina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am so excited just to hear your story and hear about your experience. But first, you're up in Canada, correct? Oh, yeah. Montreal. I love it. So <laughs> I was laughing because no joke that I think what five out of the last seven interviews that I've done have been with Canadians. And so I'm like, that, I've got some draw to y'all. I mean, yeah. I told my husband, I was like, I think it's a sign that we need to go to Canada. We need to go visit Montreal in the summer. Unbeatable. Is it? Okay. So yeah. it's not in the plans yet. So since it's not in the plans, tell me like, what is it like? Like, what's your environment like your primary mode of transportation? Like bring me there, please. (laughs) Yeah. So Montreal is such a diverse city because there's so many different neighborhoods and you go from one place to another and you feel like you're in a different country and it has Mm -hmm. a very big European influence. And so you've got the hipster coffee shops. You can walk or bike everywhere in the summer. There's like public bikes where you can rent them out. Um, I don't even need a car because I could either take the Metro or the public transit. Like, and I also live right by a canal. So we've got this long body of water that kind of goes through downtown Montreal. So I am very blessed to live in such an amazing location and as much as like the the winters are long cold and kind of horrible and miserable the (laughs) summers like as of april which is right now um it's a whole different experience there's so many festivals there is so much stuff to do i'm hearing myself and i'm like i should be a tour guide for montreal (laughs) i'm like okay maybe i need to change my plans and come there this summer it sounds like an incredible place. Well, I'm hoping to make it up there. I've only been to um, Vancouver for one day mm. and it was a fabulous day, but I get, I do like definitely feel that there was a high energy, like so much to do. Yeah. Super cool. Well, thank you for that little preview. Yes. <laughs> 
let them know you're you're available to be hired because you did a good job. (laughs) Well, now today we're learning about you and your story and how you overcame an eating disorder and started fueling your awesome. So tell me a little bit about your background with food. Yeah. So I grew up as a synchronized swimmer um, and it's a sport that is highly focused on your body image, what you look like. And as you get to a higher and higher level, you'll notice that the teams, the the athletes kind of all look the same. They're tall, they're skinny, they have thigh gaps and, and very little body fat. And so from eight to 16 years old, I was in that world. And so it's during that time that your beliefs around food, around body image get formed. And so it got ingrained in my mindset subconsciously that gaining weight is something bad. It Mm. means you're doing something wrong. And in that environment, it's also, that's kind of like the breeding ground for eating disorders and disordered eating because you're always trying to look a certain way. And Mm -hmm. so it didn't really affect me until my last year swimming where I knew that I was about to retire. And it's like this, this thing in the synchronized swimming world that a lot of swimmers who stop the sport end up gaining weight because you're no longer training 25 hours a week and you're growing into your adult body that has Mm -hmm. curves and boobs. And so my biggest fear was to become one of those people who would gain weight. Mm -hmm. Because again, like in my mind, that was the scariest thing in the world. And I got messages from people around me who would say like, by the way, you got to change the way that you eat now so that when you stop swimming, you don't gain a bunch of weight. And so it's during that time and as I stopped swimming that, of course, my body started changing. I started growing into my adult body. And the thing that went through my mind was you're doing something wrong. You have to cut back. You have to. I I was at the time, like before then, I was totally an intuitive eater. I was eating when I was hungry, stopping when I was full. But when I started growing into my set point weight, I started cutting back on carbs and fasting and going online and doing all of the fad diets and the the hacks at the time. And what I realized over time is that my eating became more and more out of control. And so I would do really well from Monday to Friday and the weekend was just a binge fest or Mm -hmm. I would do really well until like 7, 8 p.m. And then I would be so starving and thinking about food that I would binge when everyone had gone to bed. Mm -hmm. And so for a couple of years, I did that like yo-yoing, gaining weight, losing weight. And when I got to university, so during those few years, binge eating was a big factor for me. When I got to university, I got this little thing that I now have a good relationship with, but I got a Fitbit. And that helped me now get super precise on how many calories I was burning, how many calories I was eating because I was plugging everything into my fitness pal. And so I was like, quote unquote, biohacking my body. I was trying so hard to control my weight, my eating, every single ingredient that went into my food. Mm -hmm. And that is how orthorexia developed for me. Um, For anyone who is not familiar with that eating disorder, it's an unclassified eating disorder that's characterized by a unhealthy obsession with being healthy. So you want to know all the ingredients that going that go into your food. You want to be pure. I was over exercising like crazy. I had a bunch of overuse injuries. I was running half marathons 
because it was the activity that I thought would burn the most calories, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. though I have scoliosis, very severe scoliosis. So running 21 kilometers is not super great for my back or my hips. And for just years, my entire life revolved around trying to maintain a body weight that was much lower than what my set point weight was and just being obsessed with food all the time. Mm -hmm. That's my little story in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because I think so many can relate. It's like when we're younger, we do have a very like natural ability to eat intuitively. We don't really feel this pressure, but then there is this like change and transition we go through, whether it's puberty or post athletics, like there is a change that so many of us transition into. And when our world says like, Hey, weight gain equals bad, like that's the message you got. Right when we get that message, like, why wouldn't you try to start to control it? And that's interesting. You say that about the wearable and the Fitbit. Um, yeah, it's such a, it, it's a double-edged sword. Like it can be helpful to see that much information mm -hmm. or it can be really, really awful <laughs> to see that much information. Yeah. And that's the thing with any tool, like take a knife, it can be used to cook and cut ingredients, but it mm -hmm. could also be used to hurt someone. And that's why there's no black and white when it comes to any tool, when it comes to wearing a Fitbit or an Apple watch, you can have a really good relationship because now I have a good relationship because mm -hmm. I've healed my relationship with exercise. It's no longer about burning calories, but when you're not at that good place and you're doing these practices like counting calories or um, counting every step to a point where it's obsessive, then it's really difficult to, to have that positive relationship with food and your body. Totally. Like I always say it's like a bad boyfriend, you know, it's like when you break up with someone, you need space from them. Cause if you see them the next day, you're going to think of all the reasons why you were with them and all the good you know, you're going to go right back. Whereas if you get space, you might be able to re-engage in that relationship because you'll have new boundaries, new perspectives. Yeah. I love that. I'm the same. Like I, I think I took a break from wearables. I mean, they really came out like during my post recovery years. I want to say I didn't wear them for like 10, 11 years. Like I didn't wow. even touch them. I just picked it back up like probably four years ago. And because mm -hmm. I was working so much with athletes, I was, I was curious. And it was more from a place of like curiosity rather than like control, right? More than wanting to know. I just, I was curious. I was like, what, what does my sleep look like? Things like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. And what I also tell my clients um, when it comes to your Fitbit or any kind of tool that you're using is, does it give you anxiety to not wear it? Oh, and good. if good. it does, then that's an indication that actually a break is needed. Because mm -hmm. for me, I used to, if my Fitbit died, you cannot <laughs> see me not wearing a Fitbit. And so there was so much anxiety if I wasn't counting calories, if I wasn't wearing my Fitbit. And so for any anything that you're doing when it comes to food rules too, does it give you anxiety to break that rule? And if so, that right there is like that indication from your body, I need attention, something needs to change here. Yeah. Like that's where, if we can get curious and like lean into that, there's so much that can pull from that. I love that. That's like, that's, I think anyone listening can kind of take that and go, okay, do, what is my reaction? If somebody said like, put this down, take this away. How would I, 
How would I respond? Oh, so good. So good. Okay. Now we, you mentioned this orthorexia and orthorexia is one of those um, it's not a, a diagnosed eating disorder right now, but it is something that's a really big problem because mm -hmm. the wellness industry has so much information out there enough to like scare us. Right. And so tell me a little bit about, yes. you know, I'm curious, like, did you know you were struggling with orthorexia at the time or how, what was your journey in coming to understand what this even was? It's so interesting that you asked that because I was reflecting on this just a couple of weeks ago and back in the day, like back at that time, I didn't know that I had an eating disorder. I knew that there was something wrong. I knew that this wasn't a normal relationship with food. And at the time, what would happen is I would like hit a few different rock bottoms where I would find myself home depressed after a binge and I would book an appointment with my therapist at the school. I had never gone to see a therapist, but we had like the school therapist that you could go to for free. So I would book an appointment and then the day of, I would think I'm not, I'm not sick enough. I'm, I'm good. I can figure this out on my own. <laughs> yes. And I would cancel my appointment. And I did that mm. repeatedly time and time again. And eventually I had like this moment where I, I got exposed to a whole new way of, of living. And this is like kind of how I planted the seed into learning a new relationship with food, which was going to Italy. But it was at the time, like, I didn't know that there was, there was something called orthorexia. Mm -hmm. And I, a lot of the times we get stuck in thinking that what I'm doing is I'm just trying to be healthy. Mm -hmm. And I was the, I was the healthy friend and my family would kind of make jokes like, whoa, she's putting one potato on her plate. And they would make jokes about the fact that I would make a different meal for myself. If my family was eating pasta, I would make zucchini noodles. Mm. And in my head, I really thought I'm just being healthy. And I would yeah. almost look down on people and be like, you don't care about your health because you're eating carbs. Like I had this superiority complex, even though no one outwardly came up to me and said, hey, this is disordered eating. This is not what health looks like. Yeah, that's so fascinating because again, like it is a fine line and it's something that's so praised in our culture, you know, this notion that, you know, choose the healthier food, at, but at what cost and to what extent is where I think we have to ask, you know, and, and take our brain. Um, and, you know, I love that you said that about, I shared that about your therapist, how you would make the appointment and then cancel it. And I don't you think so much of that is because our world like really focuses on like, if you're not incredibly, you know, malnourished looking and anorexic, like you're not sick enough to actually like be labeled with something to such as an eating disorder, or if you haven't lost enough weight, there's actually a great book called sick enough by Dr. Gaudiani. Have you heard of it? Yes, yes, I have. I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But her whole thing talks about how like we live in a culture that says we're not sick enough and like, and what is sick enough? The only thing that meets that criteria is incredible incredibly malnourished and mm -hmm. so many, I, I can't remember the last statistic, but it's somewhere upward of 80% of individuals with eating disorders are not qualified as being underweight. And yeah. so it's like, yeah, how many people are out there just like thinking, oh, this isn't normal, but yet 
maybe I don't actually need to work on it because it's not that big of a deal. And maybe even encouraged in some settings. Yeah, I was just thinking there, like, I wonder what the statistics would say if we actually were able to diagnose everyone who is truly going through an eating disorder or disordered eating, because so many people will not see it as an eating disorder, but they'll see it as a personal flaw. There's just something wrong with me. I just don't have discipline. I don't have willpower when there's something much deeper going on. So good. Yeah. So good. I'm sure it'd be a lot higher than we'd like like it to see, unfortunately. Um, Now tell me a little bit about the steps you took, because it sounds like like this became very normal and the disordered way of eating was like reinforced in family with your friends. You're the healthy friend. So at what point did you decide like, this is a problem and I need to work on this? Yeah. So there was really like that rock bottom moment where all these things that I thought that I was going to get from a smaller body, happiness, social belonging, love, confidence. Um, I was underweight at the time. I was the smallest I had ever been. And I realized, what am I doing here? I'm not, none of those things that I thought that I would get, I'm not getting them right now. And I was the most depressed, the most socially isolated because I was no longer going to restaurants or going to social events where food would be involved. And it was Christmas break and I was looking at, I had always wanted to travel. Like my life, when I looked at my future, I wanted to travel countries, experience different cultures. And I had a free summer coming up. And I was like, this would be the perfect time to do my first solo trip alone, go away for the whole summer. And I had always wanted to go to Italy. And part of my brain, part of my eating disorder went, don't do it because you're going to gain weight. Mm. And there was so much fear and anxiety. I wasn't even excited at the prospect of going to Italy. I was afraid because I was like, you're going to be exposed to carbs and sugar and gelato Mm. and treats. And like, this is going to be the land of food. You're never going to be able to control yourself. You're going to gain so much weight. And I even had people in my life who said, you want to go to Italy? You don't even eat carbs. Like, how are you going (laughs) to survive there? Yeah. Yeah. And it was that awareness of the anxiety, that awareness that you're holding yourself back from doing something that you want to do for the rest of your life. Like Mm -hmm. you want to be a traveler. You want to experience life. If you don't push yourself out of your comfort zone now, then when is it ever going to change? If you don't do the thing that makes you scared, then you're just going to keep repeating the same thing. Like if not now, when? So I did the scary thing. I booked my trip and leading up to it, I got more and more scared. And the moment that I got there, I was living with an Italian family and the Nana looked at me and was like, oh my God, you're so skinny. Let's get you some food. Let's get you some bread. She probably was like. (laughs) And my initial reaction was you've made a huge mistake. Like you are, you're going to have the worst summer. You're going to gain weight. You're going to feel horrible. Mm. And it was that summer being exposed to a culture that ultimately has a very positive relationship with food Mm -hmm. you don't hear about calorie counting you don't hear about guilt you don't hear about shame you don't hear about dieting like that is not in their language 
And I was, I was exposed to mindfully eating my meals and enjoying my meals. If I'm going to have a gelato, I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I'm going to enjoy it. And funny enough, as I started eating more satisfying meals, more carbs, more foods that I enjoyed, number one, I ate less at every meal because I was no longer feeling unsatisfied and searching Mm -hmm. for more. Mm -hmm. I felt better. I had more energy. And all of these fears that I had were gone. I, I, I went through that experience and realized all of my beliefs around food have been so flawed. And of course, it was it didn't just take one summer to completely heal. But I came back from that summer and that seed had been planted. And that's when I was like, I need to research this. I need to know more. I need to understand what's been going on. And I need to help other people because I would never want anyone to be where I was just a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. Gosh, there's that's so rich. Your experience is full of so many. And I love how you said like the seed was planted, right? All of a sudden you were pulled out of your environment and put in this new environment to see that maybe the way I've perceived food and my body isn't normal nor healthy, right? Like first that you question the norm of it. And then, then you can take it into like, is there something better? Like, is there a different way to go about this? I think that's so fascinating. I, I just like, I feel like we have a lot of things that, like that line up. And you're reminding me of one of my transitions was I had studied abroad in Australia and it's when skinny jeans very first came out. And I remember thinking there's no way I could ever wear skinny jeans. Like I've always had an athletic build and I'm like my, you know, my pooch, whatever that is, right. Like would show. And so I remember just thinking like, I wish I could wear those are so cute. Well, then I, I went and got my hair done while I was out there and the hairdresser was super cool. She's talking to me and she's like, she walks out in these skinny jeans and in a body that you know was larger than what you would like you think would feel comfortable in skinny jeans. And she looked fabulous. She rocked it. And I remember her then talking to me about living in America. And she said, is there a lot of pressure to have your body look a certain way? And it was just, you know, she was this whole picture for me of being beautiful and confident in a body that didn't match what like I had been told you need to be. And she rocked skinny jeans and didn't question how she appeared. And, and it shown like her confidence made her beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so that was a seed that was planted for me to, that made me start to question, like maybe my perception of what we should be reaching for is, is off. It's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And my, um, my relationship with exercise really changed when I was there too, it? because in Italy, like for them, moving your body means going for walks. It means going so for different. a swim, going for <laughs> a, a, a run by the beach. And there's very little people who are like doing this super intense workout or doing it to like mold your body into a certain way. And what's ironic too is that Italians and French, and I lived in France for six months before the pandemic hit as well, which is like a whole other example of a healthy relationship with food those those cultures are some of the healthiest cultures and and populations in the world and you look at americans canadians the western society which is probably the most health conscious a quote-unquote health conscious Mm -hmm. afraid of eating and we have 
the highest rates of obesity and and obesity related diseases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ironic. Like we're we're missing something, right? And it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, that's so fascinating. So then when you came back, I mean, were you wearing a wearable at that point or what happened with the wearable? I think that I was wearing a wearable and it was at that time that I realized I need to take a break from this and see Mm -hmm. how it feels. And, Mm -hmm. and truly the first few days that you do it, it feels uncomfortable because you're so used to looking at your wrist. You're so like your your brain has formed all these neural pathways around these habits. Same thing for counting calories. Like you're so mm-hmm. used to putting things in that at the beginning, it feels weird to break a habit. It feels uncomfortable. And you also feel like you're letting go of that control. Even if it's a false control, you feel like you're, you're disconnecting a little bit. But what that does is it helps you reconnect to what's really important, which is how does my body feel when I move my body a certain way? And you can pay attention to, am I over-exercising? Am I over-training? You're Mm -hmm. able to really reconnect. Same thing with food. When you're no longer using external tools, well, what do you have left? You have your body to help Mm -hmm. guide you. And so you're almost forced to reconnect to your physical sensations when you're eating. So good. So good. Yeah. It takes away those external metrics and you have Mm -hmm. to tune in. So good. Well, I have one more question for you on this note, Sabrina, what do you know now that you wish you knew back then? Cause you've obviously grown tremendously, but if you could go back to your pre Italy self, like what is it that you wish you would say to her? I would say, let your body grow into the body that it's meant to be in. Mm because you could spend the rest of your life trying to fight it. You could spend the rest of your life feeling obsessed with food and with your weight, but your weight is gonna wanna settle at whatever weight it's meant to be at. So whether you diet or not, well, when you die, you're just gonna keep going up and down and up and down. And over time, you're just gonna gain that weight. Over time, you're just going to find it even harder and harder to live that way. And Mm -hmm. when you just accept that your body is going to fall at whatever body it needs to be at, if that means having thunder thighs and some rolls on your stomach, but you're still being healthy, you're still eating a wide variety of food, you're listening to your body, you're moving your body in a way that feels good. When you focus on health promoting habits, instead of trying to manipulate your body, you're going to be so much more at peace and happier. Mm, So good. So good. And ironically, people usually take better care of themselves, right? When they finally stop trying. I love that. You said, stop trying to manipulate it and stay focused on the health habits. So good. So good, Sabrina. Well, because this is the Fuel Her Awesome show, and I'm just a huge advocate for intuitive and empowered eating. I like to end with this question. What is the number one way you like to fuel your awesome? Ooh, that's a great question. Okay, well, I would say that my morning, my like hour and a half before I start work is my magic time. It's my me time. It's where I do like, that's where I I really get my mindset and my body where it needs to be to have a great day. So I know that it sounds very cliche and I can't believe that these words are coming out of my mouth, but like meditation, journaling, going for a walk, 
moving my body, having a breakfast that fuels me, that feels good, taking a cold shower. Um, This took, again, like this could sound overwhelming, but it took me years to develop this morning routine. But I really, I'm someone who has higher anxiety levels than most people. And so that really helps me like ground myself before I start my day. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it is simple. Well, it sounds simple, but actually like building that in regularly, Mm -hmm. especially when you got so many things like pulling us in life, it is a challenge to do. So congrats on your morning routine. (laughs) And it sounds like it sets you up to have an incredible day. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story with us. It is so powerful. And most of all, I really, really love hearing how you've taken this and like completely changed your life for what you do. And you serve other humans who may be struggling with this and you help them not repeat the things that you've gone through. So if people wanted to get more connected with you, where can they find you? Yeah. So um, anyone wants to find out more about how to work with me, you can go to sabrinamangout.com forward slash academy. And if you want to get connected on Instagram, you can find me at Health and have a little inside scoop on what it's like to live in, in my shoes on a daily basis. Awesome. Well, I'll connect everything in the show notes below so people can find you. But Sabrina, thank you so much for coming here today. And yeah, again, sharing your story and being a light in the world. Thank you so much for having me. Gosh, I'm so glad you joined me today. If today encouraged you, would you take a minute and encourage me by leaving a review for the show? I read every single one of these reviews and your words, they mean so much to me. This podcast is here to support you weekly, but it only scratches the surface. For more info on how you can become an empowered eater, grab my free workshop on how to become confident in your body without obsessing over food at jessbrownrd.com. Don't forget to join me right here next Monday where I cannot wait to fuel your awesome. Cheers, my sweet friend, and happy eating.